1: podcast. Welcome to another Brickflicks.com podcast. My name's Stuart Wright, and today I've got with me documentary director Paul Compton. Hello, Paul. Hello, Stuart. What's the name of the film we've come to talk about? It's called Iron Men. Iron Men. Okay, there's a big clue in that title. Do you want to give us a synopsis as to what it's about?
2: Yeah, it is a documentary on West Ham United from last season when they went through that historic moment leaving the bullion ground and moving into the London 2012 stadium, the Olympic stadium. And it was all about... It's not about the new stadium, it's all about what that old ground means to them, the fans, the players, the owners, everybody around them, and the community and, and the area and the businesses. It's about saying goodbye to that thing that's been part of their lives and families for generations. So it's kind of you know it, on football terms it's it's a, it's a national news story it's a it's a big deal but it's, it's it's about something more broader than that it's about turning your back on something that's been monumental in your life
1: well time I mean, time always sort of makes something feel more permanent than it is because if we all, like the london stadium has got no history yeah. so at the moment it's currently West Ham where West Ham plays but nobody feels like it's West Ham's ground just yet yeah. whereas Pride Park Derby's replacement for the baseball ground people don't even talk about the baseball ground now unless they're you know old, old... there's people born and now going to the game yeah, who never yeah, went to the baseball yeah, ground yeah, so yeah. over time those things have changed the film i Men is out now yeah, I when know. This, when this was going to be
2: released. Yeah, it, can, can I get a plug-in?
1: You can. can, we, can how it, can
2: you get it? You can get it by downloading it, iTunes and Amazon, and also as a DVD uh, from West Ham's Club Shop and Amazon and HMV in certain areas. and things Yeah, like where they I still believe. exist. Yeah. There's
1: one in Berry, <laughs> which I'm shocked to find. Now, it's interesting you say West Ham's, so let's start there then, because yeah. this isn't an official West Ham documentary, is it not? Because clearly you're about as cockney as I am. <laughs>
2: <laughs> no, I I'm in with a group of people, small production company, and the guy who formed the production company, is a hardcore West Ham fan. He's from the area. It's in his family. It goes back generations, and he'd been going on about this thing for ages. Someone's got to be documenting this move, and the presumption was that some the, the club themselves would be doing it. Mm. So he just sent an email, and I think they said something about like, yeah, you and everybody else are approaching us.
1: Everybody seems to want to cover this.
2: You know, the sort of generic reply... How far in
1: advance are we talking here when you were you were considering doing this? A
2: year and a half before they got the cameras out. You know, so you're talking about 2015. OK. And, you know, you're planning in advance when you're making... Of course you're you not. Know. <laughs> that's,
1: what, that's what I'm saying. It's like you're, you're saying there's a queue of people, but yeah, a queue yeah. of people 18 months before the season yeah, started.
2: Yeah. Because everyone knows it. it's a big story. Oh, yeah, and course, and so. everyone knows, actually... West Ham are part of that big company identity. Well, they won the World Cup, you, you know? know, West Ham? <laughs> yeah, every single one of them. <laughs> <laughs> Bobby Charlton, had hardcore West Ham. Uh, <laughs> Nobby Styles, he was West Ham midfield, wasn't he? <laughs> and um, so, yeah, uh, and then, then as time goes on, we realise, oh, we're, we're, in, we're in the play here. You know, there's a, there's, a, there's a process of whittling down all the people who've asked West Ham, and we're in that process. And before you know it, um, I get a phone call from uh, Steve Havers, uh, the guy I work with, and he said, I can't believe it, we've, we've, we've been chosen. We, we're the production company, we've won the bidding process. And, and...
1: So that, when you say bidding process, this is, like, this is for basically who will get access to make a movie, isn't it? Yeah. It's not about... And we'll pay
2: you. Oh, no, no. I, said a bit about I think... I think it's a, it's a Because that's the important thing about a
1: documentary, isn't it? Yeah, it's about
2: access, yeah. not about... It, 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 the, the correct term is he won the charm offensive. <laughs> <I> <laughs> and can... that's how it is, you know. That, no, I understand. You yeah. know, and... Um, you know, we didn't pay for access. We said, look, you know, what what we do is we we want access for this period. the You know, the last three or four months. Uh, 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 and... And what we'll do we'll set up a contract, so there's a formal agreement between us and as part of that contract, you can check the cuts at certain stages to make sure that the facts are correct, and there's nothing um operationally sensitive in there you know if there's a door that you can't go through or there's some security issue yeah, they, yeah. they don't want that being shown to everybody yeah, yeah, yeah. actually it doesn't matter if you're leaving Upton Park does it thinking about it but you know they're, they're, you can't think the what there, the yeah. issues are yeah. but there might be a phone number on someone's desk when you're filming them, that kind of thing of course, yeah, yeah. so they're allowed to check for things like that which is a f- normal thing on any mm. fly-in-the-wall procedure yeah, yeah. and any relationship with an institution it's a mm. normal thing to do but that's all they had there's no editorial control we as the um production team and the filmmakers, we made the film we wanted to
1: make. So when you so you made the film you want to make, yeah. but when you start the season with cameras ready to roll, yeah. all your batteries are charged, you've yeah. got your crew. They've given you a parking spot, I presume, somewhere <laughs> 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 well <laughs> We all got into Ubers, that was a, you, more or less the. normal I mean I guess there's plenty of foot with the but, yeah. but like when when you start off that season you've got Slavin Bilic. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It was new, isn't he? That that begins his first season. Fairly new, yeah, yeah. As, yeah, as their manager, yeah, I mean, yeah. not, not not as as a manager, yeah, obviously yeah. ex-player. But then you've also got the, the the two narratives that can clearly happen, which is we survive the Premier League, or we don't survive the Premier League, yeah, yeah. and the move from the bowling ground to the London Stadium becomes either one of hey, yeah, or, yeah oh yeah. shit. What are we gonna yeah, do now? I, and, and then how how do you control that in terms of your conversations with like access and one, because aren't they, aren't they, weren't they uh, remotely reticent at any, uh, in the early parts of this conversation? Like, well, look, if, if the season starts to go like this, you can't film.
2: <laughs> what was interesting about dealing with West Ham is that, like us, and like no one else, no one knew what was going to happen. Right? Of course, yeah. So we all jumped into this idea together. And they realised, like we realised, that this is a big moment for the mm, club. Yeah. So let's capture it.
1: Yeah, you let's capture it ones,
2: can't you? and, what's and all. Let's just go in it together, mm. and the film will be the film. The story yeah. will be the story. You can't change history. You can't change the facts. And and that's what it is. And you know, once they decided to do it, they went oh, went for it. Mm. And then, good for them. You know, for doing that.
1: Yeah, yeah, I yeah. I can't
2: imagine Man United or Chelsea being as brave as that. Maybe I'm wrong, but well, you know.
1: If you Yeah.
2: Yo, oh God. Yeah. With um, yes, Brendan Rodgers. So out Cards in the envelopes. You enjoy that, by the way, the bread- no. no. What, when he's talking next to a portrait himself? <laughs> yeah, in The fireplace? No. <laughs> no, not good. No. Not good. No. And, <laughs> well, in some ways, that, that you know, the football documentaries, there's a lot of them. Yeah, yeah And yeah. I think there's a growing trend in them. But they go back to... I remember the one with Mike Summerbee. Was he at Shrewsbury in the 60s? Oh, okay, remember Called that. Called Seven Days Till Saturday. Fantastic film. Yeah. And beautifully made. So football documentaries, they're part of our... You know, they're part of our lives if we're mm. football fans. And Brendan Rogers, you know, whatever you'll think of that, that, that thing, it is, you know, it, it, it captured
1: the reality oh, of life at Liverpool. Of course it does, yeah. You and know? that's the thing, and I think that's, that's maybe a good indicator. So what, when, when you started to roll the camera, was, was it obvious from the get-go in terms of what you ended up with the story? Forgetting the, the success of failures on the pitch, mm. but actually I'm guessing the people you were meeting and how the club worked was what you were discovering? Because you could kind of have an idea about West Ham play yeah. All of us can yeah. because if we've paid enough attention, but none of us have walked around the corridors of the club pre-match on a Wednesday morning. Those kind of things. What did you begin to see early doors that became that, that you know, has resonated through the story, as it were?
2: Okay, here's the thing. I, I the, there are yeah you know, on certain days it's not just one camera on mm-hmm. certain days it's three or four cameras some days it's six seven cameras. Okay, you know, and and there's people everywhere, and and what you gather when you're doing fly the wall documentaries, is all this stuff, and a lot of it is just... It's not great, I mean, because you're shooting a lot of material, and if you're um, filming six, seven cameras, and you're filming several days, you know, that's a lot of material, and the film's 75 minutes long. And mm. we've filmed over about six months. So, you know, your shooting ratio... It's probably... I don't know what percentage it is, but it's a very small percent. Yeah. Um, so w- what you're trying to do, and, and in some ways it's the polar opposite of making a drama. You gather all this material around and then you get in the edit suite and you think, right, what is the story here? Mm. You know, we know certain landmark moments. You know, there's an important match here. Someone says import something important there. There's a really good scene here. Not quite sure where it fits yet in the story. But what is the narrative? And you figure that out in the edit suite, and you're, strung, you're swamped by masses of material. Can you give me an yeah.
1: Can you give me an example of a, of a scene that seems important but you don't know where it fitted, that, that ended up being in the finished? Because there must be many that didn't end up in the finished thing. Yeah, is there any yeah. particular moment that, that you can think of that did end? up? But,
2: well, yeah, the, I mean, it's, a, it's only a small thing, but I wanted to get across the feeling that this is a family club. And Mike Noble starts off the film by doing this really powerful speech at the last match, after the last game, and he's talking to the whole of the Upton Park crowd, and he's talking about, this is a family club. I thought, how can we make that into something which shows where he's from? He's from Canningtown. Okay. He's played with the club all his life. Mm-hmm. They call him the shop steward. You know, <laughs> yeah. he is West Hampton. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> And, and it's been done time and time again you know you, you take him back to where he's from you take him back to the park he's from he, he used to as a six year old he used to play football in a park across from where he lived and it just happened to be the first ever ground where West Ham played before they moved to Upton Park you know when they were called the Thames Ironworks so there's a kid who's just kind of had that in his veins. That's you know? like DNA stuff, isn't but it? But it is, it is. And that scene in itself, and him being there, and then he meets someone who used to know him from the old days, it's only like a three or four minute scene, but actually, where do you place that in the timeline? It's a kind of a movable feast. Oh, right, and okay. you, we have about seven or eight of those. Mm. And it's just kind of like, at some point in that 75 minutes, you put it there, and it's more, it's got more umph. And oh. if it's ten minutes earlier, yeah, or at yeah. the beginning, or at the end, yeah. and you're constantly moving little pieces around all the time, okay. you know, yeah,
1: yeah, 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 yeah. there's no
2: logic to it. There's a sort of you just go with feel, and and and, and there, is, there is a logic to it, but it's not scientific, you know. It's well, sort you can't of, guarantee the outcome, yeah. can you? Yeah,
1: yeah. Well, I mean, that's because it, it's interesting. What you, you what you're saying about different cameras and different setups being filmed at different times. Now, if I'm filming a feature film mm. or a TV show and I'm the director, I've got a script. And even if I've got a second and a third unit filming, I'm going to be overseeing as the director, almost knowing what they're about to film. Now, when you send people, as when, as you, when you're looked at, so he sends the wrong way, but as you, you're looked at as the director still, so you're still the umbrella looking over this film. How is that? How are you getting what you want, to do? even though you don't know what you're going to get? And like you say, much of it is just fill it for your ads so you can yeah. understand context yeah. it's not really gonna be used. What are you what's your conversations with those other well, sort of cameramen you, you're not directly
2: there? What you I, a lot a lot of them are people that I've known in the past few years, so okay. I can I can send a a cameraman can be away for a whole day. Right. I know we'll be filming good stuff. Mm. You know. You it's man marking. You know, man mark the dinner lady. <laughs> don't you know, don't leave her alone until she's until she's, you know, got to this moment, the job's done, and then she says goodbye at the end of the day. You know, it's that kind of thing, you yeah, know. Yeah, yeah. You stick with Noble, don't let him out your sight. You know, it's one of them. And um so what you're doing is you're just trying you know the, the, the best shooters at this are the ones that become quickly invisible mm-hmm. and they just hover about in the room and everyone forgets they're there for a little while and then what are they doing they're just listening out for conversations so a lot of it is really it's about audio rather than pictures you know okay. so if Slav and Billy or say if David Gold and Ray Winston have a little conversation that's just perfectly natural I and mean, you're two old mates from they've known each other for years two old West Ham fans and they have a little lane to change. And they're both a bit down about the game and one's trying to pick the other one up. That just happens as a fleeting moment as they're passing in a corridor. But it feels like a big thing in the film because we just captured it right.
1: Yeah, yeah, you yeah. You know? Yeah, that's what you're saying. See,
2: so you, you, you can't script that. We didn't even know they are going to be in the same corridor. We didn't know they were going to talk about forever blowing bubbles in that kind of context. Yeah. You know? So you get these moments every so often where, you know, these things happen. And it's just about being there and being lucky. You know?
1: Oh, to be yeah. honest that's an interesting <laughs> word to use Then, so, so is, in, in that sense then is, is a lot of what went on for that sort of nine months or so that is a season you as a director you're kind of holding your breath aren't you really until the season finishes and then you sit down or do you start rearranging the furniture long before the season finishes because you think alright it's going this way so let's start
2: yeah I think, I think you have to get to the end before you really know where it is okay, Because you have to have something to aim for The narrative has to have a, a, a target mm-hmm. You're driving down a road yeah, You yeah. need to know what that um, denouement is As they mm. say in the movies And you try to sort of aim for that Or you know there's certain little di- diversions on the way And you're like, well that's good, that's good So you take on that journey So you have to get to the end And it's really only about When you get in the edit suite You then realise where all the holes are Right. And then you think, ah, if only we had this and only we had that. Well, you then go around doing your pickups, right? Okay. Which is not the stuff you. It's, it's, like, it's like you drop something, isn't it? Yeah, it's, yeah. Like, it's like you never knew you'd drop something at the time. But you go back, all right, okay, this is an illustration of what really would have happened. Yeah. And you sort of start, then it's like p- painting by numbers then to fill in your little gaps. Does that make sense?
1: It does. No, no. Because no, I'm, I'm, I'm thinking, obviously, the word "pickup" when you're doing a, yeah. a, 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 a fictional film, yeah, often is like we've got no, nobody's took a picture of a phone. There's no There's no close-up of the rent book, you know. T- so the, yeah. someone opens a book and then there's a close-up, and that close-up was shot in Cricklewood, not not in Ghana, when the original scene. It is.
2: It, it's, it's, it's in that area. Oh, no. Okay. Okay. Yeah, okay.
1: Yeah, yeah, so, yeah. so, so, there is, the, the, So the you, you you become a slave to a narrative, then not 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 a slave to what images you've got yes ah okay that's
2: interesting yes and you need the pictures too of know. course of course but, but the actual narrative is this thing you're sort of feeling your way through all the time mm. and on a project like this I think at one point there was five executive producers you know mm. it, what's nice about this project is that it wasn't made for a TV channel which is what I normally do for my day job right. there's no commissioning editor involved there's no channel controller involved there's no compliance officers involved you know there's these things that channels sort of sit on your head with you know mm-hmm. and beat you around and say oh do this or that. And even if you disagree with it you end up doing it just because you end up you know losing the will to live <laughs> on something like this that you know that we want to make the best film we want to make yeah 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 and that's, yeah. there's a so, there's a freedom to that you still put yourself under the pressure of getting you know what is the best thing we can do and that, that which is good but at one point I think there was five executive producers and every single one of them has got a different opinion you
1: know, right? Okay,
2: and it gets interesting. And what? But I, but I think what the what that debate, argument, heated discussion comes comes out the middle. You know, yeah. is, is other solutions?
1: So let me get the touch so we can understand from the layperson's point of view. Mm. You're the director, mm. and you're debating it with your except producers. Mm-hmm. What is their kind of power, as it were, compared to yours? And what are you? What are you all trying to achieve then that, that creates that heat?
2: Well, you know
1: who um, the exec, who
2: wears the the exec producers <laughs> have ultimate power but they don't sit in the edit suite <laughs> you
1: okay. know what I mean okay. so,
2: so it's one of them you know if you've got your hands on your steering wheel yeah. and you've got a bus full of exec producers you're still got have got your hands on the steering yeah, wheel yeah, yeah. You're still they're, quite... they're all shooting turn left <laughs> do you know what I mean <laughs> you feel compelled <laughs> to turn left every so often but but you have you have you know one exec oh I love that scene that scene's got to stay. the other one says I hate that scene that, that doesn't work Oh yeah, oh absolutely, yeah. And what's well, and what's refreshing about that is that you know people like wallflowers when they get to be exec producers. Do you know, what I mean? <laughs> everyone's got a really forthright opinion, yeah, and yeah, somehow yeah. you have to cut a path between it all.
1: Right, okay. Yeah. So th- thinking about you, just going back to what you said before about that freedom you had of the the kind of natural kind of bureaucracy constraints that a TV mm-hmm. station might or yeah. TV <clears> production <throat> might put on you. What were some of the gains, then, you got yourself that, w- that maybe wouldn't have happened had you had those l- the Client pines officer and all those kind of things? that What things did you get to do that you wouldn't normally do? Making a, making you, this movie. Well,
2: for starters, you can make the film any length you want, you know? Okay, for starters, okay. just okay. an obvious thing to say, but right. if I'm making an hour documentary for ITV, if it's not 46 minutes... You felt, know, so you're yeah, going to send yeah. it back and it's going to cost a lot of money to fix it. Yeah, you know what yeah, I mean? Because yeah. you've got to put commercial breaks in it. Yeah, yeah, there's yeah. got to be a title sequence this long. The already creates this long. You know, there's just little things like that. Okay, okay. Well, we're, we're cutting this. At one point, it was 90 minutes long. I thought, oh, there's something satisfying about <laughs> a football be, film being 90 minutes long. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, and then we watched it back and I thought, yeah, we can lose 15 minutes and make it better. You know, <laughs> well, not that oh. quick, but you know, we kept cutting it and refining it. In the, in, the, in the end it happened to be 75 minutes long there was no one asking for a 75 minute film mm. but you know it, that's just kind of the natural um, length of that story now you know, that's just one example of what we're doing yeah
1: but, but one, be, listen obviously before, before we start we this we're having a chat about, about some of the things going on one of the things you mentioned was about the Premier League and the, and the copyright issues that go on you're going to take cameras into a stadium where there's already cameras, you've paid a lot of money to be there to film what the Premier League product is. And you're there just, obviously there for one reason, one reason only, yeah. but it doesn't get you away from the fact that huge, huge copyright <laughs> rules and restrictions apply. So what, how, what, did you have, what, did you, what did you come across and how did you deal with it?
2: Well, there are very strict rules regarding filming inside football grounds during a game that's being televised live.
1: So for minutes one to 90
2: yeah and for obvious reasons you Mm -hmm. know they they don't want a lot of hairy ass sound men walking around and camera guys ruining their shots on it just looks weird but there are rules whatever the reason I'm sure there's health and safety reasons behind everything of course I believe football's got a lot of money behind it. I believe the Premier League's got big bucks behind it. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. We're just a pokey little documentary crew, you know. Yeah. We're like a little fly in the ointment yeah. for that I believe yeah. of the Big Fox <laughs> Something like that. Yeah. yeah, no, they're doing well. <laughs> they're doing well. And so, you know, they have these rules. Of course they do, because if it was I that was doing well and had all that thing responsibility, we'd set up rules too. Yeah. Um, so there are... Yeah, I mean, I, I'm... We, want, we you. What you want to do when you're filming with fans, you. Well, what I want to do is that I want to stick a camera right in their face. I want to see how they react to the game. You know, if it's an innocuous tackle or a throw-in or, or, a brilliant goal or whatever. I just want to see the human reaction, to you know what what a fan, a real fan does. What faces they, what think, what things they say. You know, so you can't get that shot. You can't get it. It's impossible. It's been interesting
1: that because obviously in drama. There's so much more to learn from the reaction than there is... So if yeah. someone gets stabbed, there's more to learn from someone watching the stabbing than there is from yeah. seeing the knife yeah. go in, isn't yeah. there? Yeah. When that reacts... So equally, yeah. football is about how people react to the game. Yeah.
2: So I... Th- there was a, there's a, one of the key characters. In the middle part of the film... It's a film in three acts. Isn't OK. There's a, there's a traditional structure to it. Good. The middle act is all about the fans. Yeah. And the fans are based around this one game where they played Swansea and it was the final Saturday match of the season. So we did this thing on this game with all real fans. One of them is a blind fan who lives in um the West Country and he travels every home game to watch West Ham and goes back again at the end of the game. Brilliant. And his brother is the blind commentator or um people who have impartial uh, partial vision commentary. Ooh. Uh and he there's about 30 of them every game and he um, they all have the headsets. There are
1: 30 blind yeah, commentaries going
2: on. There are 30 blind fans on average at every West Ham. Oh, game. Sorry, my... Some of them are away fans, but most of them are home fans. Okay. So they have the headsets and the comment the blind commentator... Oh, the blind is, is a commentator that has vision, but he's commentating for the blind. Oh, yeah, no, I didn't get So he, he, he wow. commentates for them. Yeah, so he's doing it in a very different sort of way than your average commentator would do it. He's being very descriptive all the yeah, time. yeah, yeah, yeah. They, yeah. They're in there, they're soaking up the atmosphere, but they can't see anything. So, but this one blind fan, he went blind as a youth, Mm -hmm. after he'd been to Upton Park quite a lot. Okay. So in his mind, he knew what the ground looked like, right? So he had he had a vision in his mind of the ground, and obviously going to a new stadium was quite daunting for him. Because he could never imagine what it looked like. Oh so, so, God. so that little story alone—it's a very powerful story. Just
1: a little bit, right? Just a little bit.
2: And but the Premier League say and Sky say you can't put a camera in his face during the game. You know, you want to see his face react during the game. But you want to just be with him as you know, the, feel the raw emotion mm. of what it's like for him being a blind fan. So um, the only way I could think of. Coming around, getting around that was to go to him in Western Supermar mm-hmm. I don't want to give too many
1: I'm giving it all away now, I? <laughs> no this is it's not so much spoiler but it is, like, it is looking at the Wizard of Oz behind the yeah, curtain yeah I know right? I know but it, you know
2: there's, there's nothing wrong with it from a compliance point of view it's just an illustration yeah, yeah, of yeah. what the reality was and I got a few fans in the little corner of Western Supermar's um, semi-professional football ground yeah that I also had red plastic seats like Upton Park, so that was convenient. That was lovely for production values. And thankfully, um, Matt, the blind fan, was a very good actor. <laughs> <laughs> he was a brilliant actor, and i you know, we're talking through the game. This is happened. This is happened. Da da da. And he's and, and you cut that into the match. You cut into the documentary. And if I hadn't have just revealed, you know, <laughs> the whole thing to the world, you would know what you would have never thought that that didn't
1: happen in the real game. That's amazing. Is this, is this been
2: recorded, by the way?
1: Yeah. <laughs> Actually, no, I'm sucking it all into my pores, and then I rest my head on the radiator, and that sends it out on the internet. <laughs> now, uh, for, I mean, how many, roughly speaking, how many hours footage did you have, or how many terabytes did you have? <laughs> it's probably the better way, isn't it? Because you weren't um, going to take, were you? I
2: think it was 72 billion terabytes. I have no idea. I't know I have no idea what's in terabytes. In a number of hours, it's hard to say because when you've got things like GoPros stuck on a car or a GoPro on the corner of a gra- you know little cameras oh, okay. and they're on full-time record recording all day, yeah, yeah, you can yeah. clock all them up and you have hundreds and hundreds of hours hundreds oh, oh, of hours. Okay. Okay. That's I I actually I wish I knew the answer to that, and and I'm sure someone at the office does. Okay, Uh, well, but it's a lot, right? I think you know we did 25 filming days, and on the match days um, there was probably about seven or eight cameras, so it probably comes to about 50 filming Mm. days in all.
1: What do you What do you think? I mean, given given the subject, Mm. and you're a football fan yourself. So you can you can you can clearly relate to it, you know, you're you're a Manchester United fan, and mm-hmm. if and if Old Trafford was to close for whatever reason, because you can get a bigger stadium somewhere else, mm-hmm. you would have the same dilemma. So what being that distance from it, because you're not a West mm-hmm. Ham fan, what did you learn from people, whether that be Ray Winston, your blind fan, or mm. or any of the you know, the the, the staff that work there, any particular thing that you picked up that was like that you think is like a universal truth about the way we think about football grounds and I, football clubs?
2: I think that what I felt more than anything is that no-one really knew if it was the right thing to do. It was this unknowing... You know, if, if you're asked a straightforward question, do you want to leave this ground and go to this ground? It's <coughs> a so black-and-white answer. Yeah. So the, the answer's either yes or no. Yeah. You can't do a maybe. Yeah. You know, you either got to commit to it or you stay where you are. Mm. But in that... Decision making process. There's a lot of pain, a lot of um, a lot of not really sort of figuring out if they knew if they wanted to or if they didn't want to. And those that knew straight away, we yeah, were really vociferous about it. Mm. There were quite a lot who absolutely, yeah, we've got to embrace this. This is the future. We have to move on and be a big club. But the bulk of them in the middle, there was a lot of just doubt. You know, and that was interesting.
1: Well, yeah, so because I mean, obviously, if you're you're the Sullivans, if you're Sullivan or if you're the Golds, then you're in control of that ultimately. You're the guys that sit at a board meeting and go, right, we are or we are. They've got that pragmatic choice of do we stay, do we go. Mm -hmm. Whereas Ray Winston's a fan. Yeah. You know, the men and women who work in the canteen or clean or or manage the gym's equipment or whatever they do, they've just got a job. Yeah. They're just fans. Was there any sense of that? Because they're not controlling that decision, are they
2: not? No, no. I mean, Ray Winston's interesting because he's, he's saying, look, this is my manner. This mm. is where I grew up. Uh, but he, he was sort of saying, you do have to move with the times. At the same time he was saying that, he says that, I'm a romantic. I like to live in the past. And maybe I'm a, I'm a lifelong West Ham fan, is what he said, but maybe this new ground is for my kids mm. more than me. You know, and like you we were saying before, when you move a stadium, everyone remembers what it's like at the time. It's raw, and, and if you have a bit of a couple of dodgy games, it's like the stadium's cursed and all that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Five, six years later, that's just kind of... You play normal football games and yeah. people forget, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, but in that period of change... And I think I don't know, when you say if Man United move, what would what I feel about that? I don't know. I don't know if it's the you same. You never asked you that question. I don't, question no, I don't know if this is the same, because... Maybe Man City were different because they were wedged into Moss Side. Yeah, they were hemmed into the terraced streets
1: of mm. you know nineteen forty. Well, no different in Autum Park, really is it? Yeah, that's Autum from Autum the it's a to, very to, similar the, location and the same opportunity yeah, arose, wasn't yeah. it? A big sporting event. That said, and from
2: memory, I don't think uh, I don't think Man City fans are that concerned about moving.
1: Well, uh, well, uh, a different. Do you remember? I can't. Yeah, yeah, maybe I can remember. It was different. Um, there wasn't the same pressure to be a top-flight team at the time. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that wasn't because clearly one of the big narratives for West Ham during the, pro- the bidding process where I mean for the, for the sake of people understanding where we're talking we're literally in the shadow of Leighton Orient's Brisbane Road Stadium which yeah. is actually a stone throw from the new London Stadium ironically um, and when Barry Hearn was trying to get his iron in the fire to be yeah. the person that would play football at the London Stadium there was if buts and maybes and it's like what the questions weren't how big can West Ham be, which is obviously entrepreneurs like Gold and Sullivan would have said. Mm. Well, if we have the stadium, then we can grow yeah. like yeah. a business to meet it. Whereas the pessimists go, what happens if we're in the third division and there's fifteen thousand in a sixty thousand stadium? Mm. The, that mm. and, and that's that's true football and fan reflection, yeah. isn't it? Because we're yeah. all we're all mad optimists until it starts to go belly yeah. up. Yeah. You know, I'm yeah. a Liverpool fan. We were going in the league in October. Now, I don't think we're finishing in the top four. You know, it's like football has football a nasty habit of not yeah. doing what
2: it's told. Yeah. 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 <laughs> I, 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 it was hard. And there was a part of me that has a real soft spot for West Ham. Mm. Years ago, um, an old friend of mine had two season tickets at West Ham. Okay. And he would just take me along. If his mate couldn't make it, mm. he'd give me a bell. you fancy a game, and I'd go and see you watch West Ham. Sitting in the West Ham
1: end, you know, mm. with the
2: West Ham fans. So I have experienced what it's like to be a West Ham fan quite a
1: lot, in amongst the West. It's Ham one of the fans. few away grounds I've been yeah. to as, as yeah. a Liverpool fan, but I've always sat with the West Ham fans because I'm mate and man from Leicester, yeah. so we used to go together yeah. kind of thing. Yeah, and, and
2: I always, I always enjoyed being at West Ham because it just felt real and gritty.
1: Oh, without a doubt. yeah, you come at that train station to get to the ground, Tuesday, and yeah. you can see why football hooliganism, as as was stereotypes in the eighties it must have been terrifying for, for an out of town kid to get out of Oakton
2: Park. And that, that tube station could not handle no. the crowds. That high street couldn't handle the crowds. It no. was you know, uh, yeah. but there's something about that mm. that made it gritty. There's an energy that I guess
1: I mean I walk around the Olympic Park all the time as a sort of bit of you know, a bit of exercise but thinking time and stuff. And I was talking to um a Man City fan, funny enough, who's been to the London Stadium now, obviously, and he's been to Upton Park a lot of times. And the way they're controlling crowds now is, is in the extreme compared to the fact that Upton Park had certain streets and it controlled the crowd, didn't it? Yeah. Because yeah, you had no yeah, choice. Yeah. Whereas they're really sort of almost like choreographing you now.
2: Yeah, well, it's a funny place. You to the, I go to the train station at Stratford and you can see the West Ham ground. Mm. You walk towards it. 25 minutes later, you're still walking towards it. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. How does that
2: work?
0: Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah.
2: <laughs> it's a, it's quite deceptive, How yeah, 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 you know,
1: yeah, yeah, big yeah. that area is. Oh no, without a doubt. So, um, <laughs> what was what was it about having I mean, getting getting only the skin of a football club? Yeah. What, what did you what did you learn about how football clubs at Rome? Um, that, that surprised you.
2: I, I learned that West Ham had a very good kitchen very good catering. <laughs> <laughs> But the chefs are really grumpy. <laughs> so when we come in with our tripods and stuff and bunk all our, our stuff on the table and yeah. start grabbing free, really well-cooked dinners <laughs> that are probably only intended for the players, <laughs> the food's great, but you feel slightly uncomfortable. That's good, because mm. the food is good. Um, the, the fact that when you're in with Slav and Bilic and his team and they're just in the middle of an ordinary week looking at what they do, because that's the bulk of their job he's in yeah, the training would, ground I mean you know. we forget don't we? Yeah.
1: Their, their job yeah. five days a week yeah. is being a footballer yeah. the match is kind of yeah. like the prize isn't it
2: yeah and they're walking about and saying right okay let's go let's get him over there let's do a, get him a five-a-side over there I'm thinking oh I used to do that at school you know? <laughs> okay let's you know, let's get him you should be in the gym you know what I mean Get, get. you go over there get your uncle side out you know it's mm. just kind of like it's like a PE lesson all week <laughs> <laughs> is nice in it.
1: No, no, I mean, no, no. To no. be paid for that. It's what we. All, it's why we all. Yeah. Imagine it might <laughs> be like that. So, so what was Slaven Village said? A manager. What did you? Let's go the next one up from that. Mm-hmm. So that's your kind of. If those vacations is like it's like a bloody forty-hour week PE lesson. Yeah. <laughs> with with high with high tech equipment, and better facilities. <laughs> then go the next step. The person that's overseeing that mm-hmm. is Slaven Village. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. What did? What would? What did he give to the documentary that had he been a bit? Oh, or, or did he not? In fact, did he? because yeah, I'm, I'm talking to you. I haven't yeah. seen it yet. So, <laughs> yeah. so um, w- w- did he give you everything you hoped for, or was he a challenge?
2: No, he he was really honest. Hmm. You know, if you're filming with him, it's just you and him. You okay. know There's not PR guy hovering around. Oh, that's interesting. Tapping that his, you know, you shouldn't be saying that. It's like you know, and he he said, look, I have doubts about going to a place that's got. Cafes and cinemas attached to it, and, and it 's a big family event. you know I just care what goes on on that grass that 's mm. all I care about uh, okay. and If you really want to talk to me about football, then it 's got to be upton park that 's yeah you know, so there 's a guy there who 's talking about look i want i 'd rather play upton park if I had my choice i 'd rather play upton park, but at the same time. You know, he had to embrace inevitability yeah. <laughs> as a driving man. And so so he was brilliantly honest. But he's an interesting guy because he's very quietly spoken. He's a big guy. Mm. He's got charisma. And he's very intelligent. The way he speaks He's just... There's an intelligence, there. He's an interesting man, I think.
1: I mean, I think anyone that, that watched him when he was a TV boy, <laughs> yeah, could, could see it right away. It was like... It's, it's a bit like when you get Viali on... It's like, the, despite English being their second language, they seem to be more eloquent than, <laughs> than Alan Shearer or any other English-speaking persons yeah, on there. Yeah. It's kind of really weird yeah. when you see how they seem to analyse the game. But did, from Slaven's point of view then, the way you followed him, mm-hmm. did the move away from Upton Park become a narrative later in the season for the, the way he managed the team? I.e., if, if his job is about what goes on on the green bit, mm. then then really all he's saying is we'll be in new offices next year, so let's yeah, worry about that, and yeah. we'll do that in the summer, you know. But Or did it become a narrative that he helped develop with the players? Or was it even... I, d-
2: I don't think... It's only in retrospect you can sort of analyse those things. At yeah. the time, he was just doing his job to the best of his ability, I think, from just from knowing what I know. But he was interviewed yesterday in a paper about that last few months mm. at Tom park, and he used this analogy, it was kind of interesting, he said it's like, flying at 20,000 feet in a jumbo jet Mm. that just never lands. You know, it's only now that looking back a year later, Mm. he can sort of put put his finger on what it was like in that period because West Ham were pretty unbeatable.
1: Oh, no, (laughs) you've got an amazing story that wasn't atypically West Ham, wasn't it? Going back to my kind of, the the, the positive or the negative points is you got, like, like the first 15 games, it was like, who the hell, you know, who the hell is this West Ham? Yeah. You know, had it, had had Leicester not been happening at the same time, yeah, I know the way it yeah, went in the yeah. end. Yeah. West Ham were in one of the biggest yeah. biggest stories of the season, I think.
2: Yeah, and you know they got into Europe. It didn't go that well for them, but you know it's they did better than they'd done a long, for a long time.
1: And um, do you believe it, that had anything to do with it? What, what totally, the story you were filming. To- do you think there was a sense of it, it, they weren't playing well because we were filming them? No, no, <laughs> they were, no, no, no,
2: no. They were no. playing well because they knew that there was something special going on on, around the club. It was always building up to this, you know, the last FA Cup match. Mm. The the, the last Saturday game. The last ever game. There was always a last something going Mm. on. So that build-up went on for a very long time for those fans. So there was something in the air all the time.
1: Yeah. I mean, In in, in other lives I've had, I've I've worked on office moves where people have spent 12 months anticipating going from here to 10 miles over there. And it being... A nightmare because that's what people worry about. They stop doing the work. Whereas, obviously, football is different, different, difficult to fish. But it is, it is something. It doesn't go away, does it? Not because no. it, it's, it's going to happen. It ain't going to change. And they always knew it was.
2: And and I think because of people like Mark Noble and David Gold hmm. being West Ham through and through. Yeah. You know, I think that sort of emanates from them into the rest of the squad and the rest of the, the rest of the people at West Ham. So I think, you know, the, the, there's this this thing about West Ham being a family mm. and a community. That's a, 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 absolutely the a truth. You know, it is you know, more so than a lot of other clubs.
1: I mean, yeah, so what did you... Did, did you find it then to be a family club Family club that you, yeah. That yeah. you thought you were going to fill?
2: Everyone seemed to know each other. The stewards had been in that part of the ground for mm. years. Mm-hmm. They knew all the fans who sat in those seats. Yeah. And the, you know the they're all season ticket holders. They've had the same seat since they were kids, most yeah, of them, yeah. you know. And so that that relationship they had with the club was for them. It was like it's it, it a kind. Of, yeah, it sounds corny, but it's yeah. it's like a bit of a religion, you know. At the end of the working week, this is where we're going, mm. you know. And and it what a lot of them were really pissed off about was the fact that when they got new season tickets for the new ground is that they're all being mixed up. Yeah, it's well, I like, I like sitting next to... Like, we all know each other in our rows, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's that thing, like you say, it's just moving office. It wasn't really about... You know, the players, yeah. you know, they're fine. They're, well, they, yeah. it meant something to them. But for the fans, it meant so much more. And but that change was quite daunting for them.
1: Yeah, because, I mean, I think... You can draw a parallel between your local pub, can't you? If you went to your local pub and every time you turned up there, there was a group of strangers and you had to sit yeah. with them. You'd yeah. stop going, wouldn't yeah. you? The yeah. reason you go to your local pub becomes your local is yeah. that that's where Billy sits, that's where Mary sits at the bar. Jenny will be starting at two o'clock. You get to know that's your pub, mm. in it? And, and a football ground functions in much the same way, yeah. which is interesting hearing the sort of what comes out of the new ground is there could be... T- sometimes you hear the way that it gets reported in the news and you're going, you sound like you're talking about a take that concert. It isn't the same no, logic. No, no, Getting in and out no. and seeing the entertainment and going home isn't... Isn't the yeah. experience of a football fan yeah. and watching a game, and obviously like you, are sitting in a seat that I'm guessing for some of them you were sitting in grandad's seat. Or... Yeah,
2: yeah, that's that's what a lot It was it. was handed down to them over the generations.
1: Yeah, you know.
2: And what's it? What I say? What What's interesting about you know? We ended up with this film, which sort of I think the film's got heart to it, mm-hmm. and I film. I think you know there's, there's there's a real sort of interesting ride of emotions throughout it and it's not judgmental at all it just captured what really went on mm-hmm. you know and, and tells it in, in quite a straight way but it is it is quite emotional and it is something that other people can relate to mm-hmm. you know everyone can relate to these big changes <clears throat> but what what we have to do now is we finished the film mm. I was talking about before about you know if you're, if you're making a documentary for a TV channel Give it to them. The schedule will it out at some point. Yeah, They'll yeah, PR yeah. it. They'll market it again in the paper. Yeah. It's got a life. Then yeah, yeah. this now we've got this film. Now it's like yeah, okay. Yeah. Now what do we do with it? Well, <laughs> we've got this DVD coming out. We've got it on download. But we want to do other things with it. You know, yeah. we, we put it in film festivals um, have screenings. You know, do, do just make yeah, it not, I, give it a bit, give it a bit of a give it a bit of, of trajectory. Give it a bit of a journey. So maybe it builds up a bit of um, you know people talk about it. Yeah, because I think I think yeah. like you like
1: because it's not an official West Ham thing. It's not a puff piece. Yeah. about knees up Mother brown. I was a cockney. Now I'm now I'm on the Olympic Stadium, past the Eels. Love you know. It's not mm-hmm. that at all. And and, and, and I've, on the podcast before I had Johnny Owen on talking about yeah. I believe in miracles. The, yeah, the Forest one, which weirdly is if you think of. A, and I'm gonna make a cross I'm gonna go try on. and link the two now. You've got his 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 story about Forest is like the story that can never be to, you know, the, the event that can never be told again, mm. and then Leicester go and win the league. So it's like it's sort of, <laughs> it's ironic that the nearest rival goes and spoils that narrative. But at the time when the film came out it was a truism that yeah, this yeah. team getting promoted, winning the league, winning the European Cup. But also when you saw the footage of what he managed to collect, so I don't know if you've seen the film. I've seen bits of it, I've not, I've not seen the its entirety. But you but if you watch it, you know the the Clough taking a money around the wreck and all that kind of yeah, stuff you're like yeah. it's a different football world yeah Robertson having a fag yeah at half time yeah,
2: yeah. I, I went to watch Bolton play um, Nottingham Forest once in an FA Cup replay it was a oh. Tuesday night match at yeah. Burnham Park yeah and it was god it must have been the early 80s and uh, a few of my mates were from school of Bolton fans mm-hmm. but I knew that down the Manchester Road end at Burnham Park, there's a little bit of a cut through, a little bit of a thing in the fence, like an L shape in the fence. If you stood in this one corner, you could almost stand next to the away manager. And I thought, I'm going to get there early. I want... It's Brian Clough tonight, and I stood in that corner just to watch Clough for the night. What it was brilliant? I mean, it was just theatre. I, I, it was one of my favourite ever matches ever.
1: But I mean, that's what that's what Johnny Johnny shows is that you had this sort of demigod really, I suppose, in, yeah. terms of, in terms of what he brought and the kind of people he brought in. But also, comparing it to the Premier League era, you could see how far the game has come away from what we perceive to be football's traditions, whereas here you come with probably one of the most traditional football clubs that still exist in the top fly. Which I don't think is any exaggeration, really. I mean, I think like you, it's a ground that's sort of sandwiched between the inner city that it, 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 it emerged, the inner city of East London that it emerged out of, and yeah. was rooted in it. it? One, yeah. like, yeah. it's not like it's not like the place grew around it. It went, yeah. I'm going to sit yeah. in the middle of this. Yeah. Um, no, so it, you've you've got you've got so that is a, that is a kind of end of an e- end of a traditional era, isn't it?
2: No? Yeah, yeah, it's definitely. I mean, I, I don't know what Chelsea's plans are or Spurs's plans are. I kind I've had an idea from reading the papers. But there's nothing of that scale. There's nothing of that sort of emotional wrench that you know they're going to do something that dramatic. Mm. It's just a little bit of modification, isn't it? Or a little bit of, you know, shoving it a few feet to one... Day. Well, Tottenham's literally
1: <laughs> keeping one stadium and building off the back know, of it, aren't they? Know, Which is I like know. a kind of... Uh... Yeah. Did you did you get a sense... Well, obviously, you're, you're trying to create a narrative out of what you find. Mm-hmm. But did... If, all right, if the, from what we said before, if the players weren't... Um, were more concentrated on the football because obviously moving was just it's just a different yeah. green place to play. So from a fan's point of view, did did the momentum of getting close to the end of the season become more of a talking point when you were filming people than when you started? Or almost like you know, if you think of that, like, you know, the classic sort of change curve where you kind of, you know, anger denial acceptance and all that did you see did you see that evolution in people as the season went on because obviously you can't change what's going to happen anyway but at the beginning of the season you can be a bit arsy about it
2: I (laughs) I think I think West West Ham fans a lot of the vociferous ones who decided it was the wrong thing to do at the very outset Mm. were just there all the time you know they were just there all the time and and, you know there'd been local news and there's all sorts of online petitions and everything and Mm. protests and everything Um, I think that you know if you're watching West Ham throughout the season, Lars, it's about we want to in this Saturday. You focus on the game. Yeah. And when it came to that very last match, um, you know, there was such a build-up for that last match. It was all, it, everyone was talking about this, this is the time we were going to leave. now. this is going to be. But what happened in the match is the football became so good and compelling. Mm. They forgot why they were there for 90 minutes. And then all of a sudden they They beat United in this dramatic, fantastic game. They beat United three two. The referee blew his whistle, and all of a sudden the penny dropped. You know, then you know they were they'd forgotten about why they were there really, which is to say goodbye to Berlin ground. Yeah. You know, and 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 then all of a sudden, this, grown men are crying. You know, tough grown men you know, are yeah, shedding yeah. tears because then they realise it's been a great match, but actually mm. something more much more fundamentals going on we're never going to be here again
1: it's weird to think that a momentous occasion could be topped off with with such a sort of wonderful victory yeah Yeah. because yeah. I mean looking back at say other big moments where football grounds and football teams change Liverpool's last game in front of the cop when it was standing get beat by Norwich <laughs> so all of Liverpool's rich history of winning this and <laughs> that and the other yeah. Yeah. a big moment where you get yeah. rid of one of the most iconic stands of a ground yeah and we get Viva Norwich and so yeah. it's like it goes out with a whimper not a bang yeah. it's like whereas yeah. I'm guessing that's maybe where some of the energy that happened oh yeah outside we, the you know, ground was, was it was like it's 1982 again let's just go <laughs>
2: <laughs> no uh, when when um, when that match when the final was went that match I just thought wow this is going to be a good film now.
1: Oh well, yeah. I suppose you've got you've literally got your money shot, haven't
2: you? You know, irrespective of it being a historic move for West Ham, you then have this big piece of drama, this wonderful piece of theatre right at the sort of the last third of the the film. So Mm. actually, that was that was a gift.
1: Well, I must admit. I mean, I I always. I mean, as much as we watch football and can't control it, it is one of the things in life that I can just everything else that's worrying me can go out the window for the time I'm going to focus on. Whether Nathaniel client can have to put a crossing, that'll worry me more than than what bills are <laughs> I've got to pay. Just for the just for the time it's on, yeah. and it's weird, isn't it? How football yeah. does that to you, and yeah. obviously collectively thirty odd thousand in a stadium yeah. who've who've turned up. Obviously they've read the programme and it's like farewell, and then then suddenly football happens, yeah. and you realise we could just be on the bloody. Car park, doing this. This is just a fantastic game of football. Yeah,
2: yeah, and and you know, and it, it starts off so badly for them that game. You know, United were two one up. Mm. So like, you know, again, it, it's the drama of that last game sort of fulfilled the drama of leaving the stadium. So,
1: so, in that sense, then, did you did you when you went into the editing suite? Then, were you going okay? There's our destination. We've got the tumultuous thing that we needed. that that, that is like illustrating what it means to be a football fan and what it means to leave this ground it's all there but obviously there's the rest of the story you want to be
2: telling sometimes you can can get excited by a good scene Hmm. it might be 60 minutes into the film Mm -hmm. and you cut this scene and think yeah it does stand up it does work Mm-hmm. Hey, it's all pastels on the back. And you go, well, what happens before then? You know, what happens in the first sixty minutes? <laughs> because if it's not good, if this film's not good enough to capture your imagination yeah. Yeah, yeah, and yeah, entertain yeah. you for that sixty minutes, that great scene's a waste of time. You know. So the the, the building up to that scene has got to be good and entertaining, and uh, otherwise, when you get it, you just can think, well,
1: you know, that was hard work. <laughs> what was the um, what were the owners like with you? Um,
2: Gold and Sullivan, Brady, yeah, yeah, yeah. they were all great, all great. David Gold couldn't give us enough time. Lovely, lovely fella. Yeah. I really like him. And, you know, we went to his house and he has a house surrounded by a golf course that's his. You know. <laughs> his
0: helicopter, like, been... helipad. Jesus. And I'm thinking, who are all those people
2: over there? Oh, that's the staff. Wow. I mean. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. another world. Yeah, it was worth it. And, hope, so. you know, good on him, you know, because he started out on Green Street. Yeah, he started on Green Street at into a poor family and, and had nothing. Mm. You know, he's the first person to tell you that. But, of course, of course he is, you know. Yeah. But um, it's. And he started on Green Street opposite West Ham and used to climb over the fence and watch them and used to play for them when he got a bit older. So, yeah, actually, you know, there's oh, wow. an okay. incredible know that. story there. Yeah, you yeah, know. yeah. Uh, and there he is now, you know, living this in this mansion, he's living and the owning, he's owning
1: the, the ground, owning the club. It's the football fan dream, isn't it, yeah. to own your own? Yeah.
2: I can't think of many other top end, not just football teams, but sports teams around the world that have that sort of a chairman. There aren't
1: that many. I guess Gibson at
2: Middlesbrough is about yeah. the only other one, isn't yeah. it? Because yeah. he's a that, he's a fan, isn't he? Yeah, yeah. Um, but it, it adds weight to the story. It adds weight to this thing of it being a family club. Yeah, because it, be, be,
1: it wouldn't be like... Talk, if you were talking to FSG about the history of Anfield, yeah, you'd be talking to a yeah, Boston businessman yeah, yeah, who's been to Liverpool, yeah, you know, about as many times as you have. Yeah. And, and, you, know, and, you know what <laughs> I mean? It's like, it's like and that would be... It I'd be more. would probably be more, He'll
2: point to a graph in the Wall Street Journal, do you
1: yeah. know what I mean? <laughs> Whereas you'll yeah, get the story of yeah. sneaking in the ground as a yeah, kid, and, yeah. and you go, OK, you may well be this very rich businessman now who owns the club and is taking them from one place to this place but actually you would do un- you would understand and appreciate the emotional part mm-hmm. of that wrench, not just yeah. that we've got more seats to fill and therefore mm-hmm. we can become a bigger club
2: and I'm going to paraphrase it because I can't remember the exact quote but right early on in the film <coughs> Bibby Gull says I don't think I want to do this you know they've already made the decision oh, well, they've don't signed, move, they've don't signed to the paperwork don't want to move yeah and he says I don't think I
1: want to do it and it's like you know, it's it's him being an honest guy. He'd... What what led what we what were you asking there? I mean, what kind of question was was? you was, was you just sort of warming up on something, or was it was was it,
2: it, or it, was he
1: just being philosophical for the? In, in the car with him at the time was Caj. You met Kaz, the executive producer. Yeah, 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 yeah. He
2: was in the car with him at that time, and the conversation was just about his history with the club mm. and and how he thinks it's going to affect the community and the people around that because that's all they've ever had there this big lump of a stadium at the top of the street. Mm. And I think it's sort of you know, um, it peeled back the uh, formality of his job and his job title, and he became just David Gold, the block from Greenstein. I think I think he just said, look, yeah, I don't I don't think we we'll going to do this. Obviously, you know, mm. it was a moment where um, he of time, isn't I, I suppose. yeah yeah no it is, but um, yeah of course they all signed up for it and they all knew what they were getting involved with, mm. but um, it. Even for him, it was an emotional, major emotional thing to mm. go through.
1: From from a technical point of view, when, when you're directing a documentary, mm. how different is your relationship with the edit suite than if you're doing a, a fictional piece of directing?
2: Oh, God, it's... it's, it's um, it, if you're going out there to... I mean, well, I, I don't do drama, right? Okay. But I have done... Um, I did did a documentary on Ronnie Biggs once, right? So you go out there and you think, well, we need this scene here. You have actors and stuff. So it's kind of like shooting drama. Okay. And it's all very sort of scripted in a loose sort of way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You always want to film in a documentary way, you know, but actually it's... it's, It's Yeah, just keep wobbling it. (laughs) Kick kick him in the shin. (laughs) (laughs) Right? And um, so, you know, and it's very, very uh, prescriptive. When you're doing... A documentary which is an essay piece mm-hmm. or a, a dispatches type thing, that's also further scripted. You know, you want such a way to say this, you want a government to say this, you want a journalist to say this. Mm. There's an essay element to it. When you're doing a flying the world documentary, you have to hope like hell that <laughs> what you think the story is works. Yeah. You have to think the end point is going to be as good as you, you think it is. And what often happens is you, are, you go into everyday shoot, when Right, I want this to happen today. Let's hope this happens today, and it never does. Mm. And you sort of feel slightly disappointed at the end of the day. When, I was hoping that it would, this would happen today. Or they they would meet each other. They complete a passage on the carpet, or, or whatever. Mm. And and you always feel slightly disappointed nine times out of ten because you can never. The real world doesn't behave to your script. Funnily enough. And but then when you get in the edit suite you sit in the edit suite and you think right, okay I'd forgotten about that day shoot what my thoughts were you know or, or maybe I hadn't but however let's have a look at it again in the cold light of day in the edit suite where no one can stop filming it's all in tape and you know, it's all finished and you say there's something happening that we haven't quite seen properly?
1: Right. Okay. Yeah. So got, you, um, you can discover a purpose. It yeah. Serves yeah. You didn't, um, you didn't um, feel it at the time. Yeah.
2: And and it takes a lot of nerve <clears> to do that because and a lot of faith in the process because um, you can get disappointed and think that's a waste of a day's filming yeah, and then yeah. dismiss it.
1: do You know, what it sounds like you're doing if you were, if you were scribbling. It sounds like you're making it up as a go. Along. No, 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 no not, at all, <laughs> not at all. Not at all. No, it sounds it sounds like as if as if you've got a piece of paper and you're scribbling away with a pencil. Going, and you go. All right. <laughs> and then after about 10 days you go fucking hell it looks like me it's a, it's a <laughs> yeah. it no, I've done it th-
2: there's, yeah um, it is it's funny you know. You, you, you look at scenes and you listen to what they've been said and. Do you, some, did,
1: you, did you edit it or did you yeah. work with an editor
2: I, I worked with an
1: editor ok
2: at one point we had two edits going um, and did there, was the editor
1: from Documentary World because I mean I've spoke to yeah. i spoke to people who've done Fly on the Wall stuff before mm they've kind of ceded responsibility into someone who's come from drama yeah. to say, look, you do me an assembly edit of what you think the... Na- we think the narrative's yeah. roughly this. Yeah. Yeah. You yeah. do it as you... You yeah. <clears throat> piece it together because you've got an appreciation of narrative structure and then I can then finesse it from a...
2: Yeah, I... I no, there are specialist fly-in-the-wall documentary editors who actually make people like me look good. Are they the much patient? better than what I really, really am And that is because they're just brilliant They're incredibly patient And to they'll say take that a the deep pa- breath And they go, right, okay Day one rushes, camera A <laughs> <laughs> You know what I mean? Yeah And you go, oh, God, must we? <laughs> you know, <laughs> And it's just like, do you know how much? Yeah, I've looked, <laughs> I know <laughs> And, and obviously you don't go for me to beat anything And you say, look, on these days these happened There's a paper structure here and they'll go. Yeah, I like your paper structure. It's all right. <laughs> <laughs> Very friendly, but I think oh, I think I can do better. <laughs> and then they think there's going to be better, and you, can, and you go. I like what we've done there, but I like yeah. You know, and and what comes out of it is the thing.
1: So is there, there's a proper collaboration yeah. going on there. Yeah,
2: documentary editors are just lifesavers. Okay. Total lifesavers. So who was yours then? Uh, there's two. There's two key ones on this: Steve Struthers and Anton Short. Okay. So when you say uh, two, what what why?
1: Are they working in the same room, or are they? Yeah, it just
2: went on for so long that Steve got had this other job booking for ages, and he had to go after a certain number of months. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. So then I uh, brought someone I, I'd worked with for years before, uh, a lot of time before Anton, just to do just to push it across the line. Last okay. couple of months left. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. Yeah. Right, one last question. Yeah. What would be what would be your kind of fun? What was your fondest memory of the experience of being able to document West Ham's final season on Super? I
2: loved going into Upton Park after the season, season finished. Once they'd given it over to Barrett Holmes or mm. whoever, there was a little period in the middle where nothing was happening to it. And I just wanted some empty shots of the stadium just to give it a sort of a feel of just emptiness. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it was spooky and it was brilliant. I mean, it was just really odd being in a football stadium that, that had been abandoned and left. It was as though when they left the ground that night, no-one had been there. And, you know, the seats that had been ripped out were sort of... You could see missing seats. There's, there, you know, there's people trying to get stuff off the wall It was half cracked and ripped and broken. and yeah, yeah, yeah. It had sort of been abandoned, this sort of lonely, weird state. Yeah. It was
1: fascinating. Well, you know, you, fasc- know, you know the thing about, about the ghost theory about how buildings absorb the vibrations, which is like the memory of what's been happening in the building. No, I that's wish. one of the theories about what ghosts are it's like those reverberations coming out of the brickwork you know when you uh, see shit yeah.
2: no it was nice it was nice actually it was really interesting being there
1: and do, actually do, do, I, 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 I cheat and ask you one more thing because yeah. as you were saying I was thinking the obvious thing to say is do you think it was the right thing for them to do I thought a, about, a, about it a lot, as you can imagine. Yeah, 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 yeah. And
2: my honest answer is yes. Oh. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, look where they are now. In um, uh, yeah, this thing about performance, how they performed, I just think that's just normal. That's what happens with a lot of clubs. Yeah. yeah. You lose a few matches when you shouldn't, and mm. what have you. I think they'll pick themselves up and do fine next season, uh, and they're doing better now anyway. Yeah. Um. You know, you can get a really nice pint of craft ale. You couldn't go to Upton Park unless you wanted to queue for four hours. <laughs> <laughs> Do I sound like a snob? And you, you, There's a nice array of... You sound like of, a mature football fan. <laughs> there's a nice range of food. You can, I can get home easily, more easily than I would you know, from Upton Park. But actually, if you look at more serious things that matter to football, West Ham now are in the top five or six attendance, uh, attendances. Okay. They've never been there. Ever in the history, yeah, you yeah, know, yeah, yeah, they're yeah. up there with Man United, Chelsea, Man City, Liverpool. Oh, yeah, right. yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's changed. Um, I do understand this element of about some of the saying we don't want to be a tourist club, but you know, what, I'm a Man United fan. You know, There's oh, no, <laughs> such... tourists every week, You're and you know, with, you, know, don't, you know. don't turn them down. No, no. You know, yeah, you know, that's the price of success. You know, yeah. that's just one of the things. And I think that um, it's what. I would, I would like him to be those, those extracted seats a bit closer to the ground, just a little bit closer to the ground, because mm. it's being picky. But I think it's the right thing to do. You know, they have to play now as 11 players. They yeah. can't
1: rely on the crowd now, scurrying the other team. Well, funny <laughs> go back to where you started with the Slavin Village, it comes back to what happens on the green. Yeah, yeah. The actual bricks yeah. and mortar yeah. are just places where people sit and chat yeah. and, and history will, start, will, will be made yeah. what, with the people that sit there now. And all those teething troubles, I guess, well, yeah. which is easy for me to say, it's not my club. So let's remind people then: where, where and how can people see Iron then It can be
2: downloaded from iTunes, and it's available as a DVD from Amazon and also the West Ham Club shop and yeah. various other outlets, like H and things like that. I said Tesco
1: the other weekend, I got told off saying Tesco. Maybe they. So are not it. Tesco. Not them. Well,
2: often. maybe it is. I don't know.
1: Okay, but 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 the, 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 there's, there's a general study for all football fans, and obviously it's more. It's there's more heart stuff for a, for a West Ham fan but, but there's, there's a bigger story which is about what football clubs mean isn't there really
2: absolutely suppose. and I think you know what I think people even don't like football will get something from it as well it's got a really interesting
1: mm. heart to it I'll put that to the test I'll show you why <laughs> thank you long. very much Paul cheers it. if you don't already subscribe to BritFlix Just sign up for free at iTunes, and you'll get the next episode right after we launch it. Or follow at BritFlix on Twitter for links to the podcast to stream from the website directly. Thank you.
0: Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app.